Hello, fellow Hushlings, and welcome to the Cryptid Chronicles. I am Mike. I'm Dave. And I'm Frankie. Uh, today we are joined by a guest. I was on his show a yeah, few weeks back. It was a really good time. He runs along with some of his buddies a podcast called The Infinite Rabbit Hole, and it's kind of parallel to the things that we talk about here on the Hush of Society. Everybody welcome Jeremy from The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Oh, thanks guys. I welcome Jeremy. That. Yes, welcome. Jeremy, you run the Infinite Rabbit Hole with uh, actually two other co-hosts, Jake and Wes, and all of you guys are U.S. Navy veterans. That's true. Yeah, actually, uh, Jake and I are still active duty. Uh, Wes got out a few years ago, but both of these guys I've worked personally with. Wes, I worked up in Pax River, Maryland at uh, the command was called VX-1. We were an air test and evaluation squadron testing out Navy uh, aircraft and equipment that attaches to it. And then Jake and I worked together at HSC-22, which is a helicopter seat combat squadron in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, it was an expeditionary unit, so we didn't actually ha – we weren't attached to any ships. We were just kind of filling in the holes for the Navy, doing any kind of missions with the H-60 Sierra helicopters. Wow. That's awesome. We've got a mutual friend that actually was – in Norfolk for a while. I think she was on the USS George Washington. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about your show. Like I said, you guys do kind of this the same type of topics that we do outside the box, conspiracy theory, down the rabbit hole type thing. So let us know about your show and how'd you guys get started? Well, actually we got started, Jake and I, actually really good friends, and we were playing ARC one night and we were just talking about things and he he goes, what, what is your, your username? What, like, where'd that come from? My username is Woodbooger. And I was like, actually, it's <laughs> funny, funny you say it's a, it's a, it's a Bigfoot, you know, in the Appalachian area of the United States, they refer to the, the Bigfoot as a Woodbooger. And he's like, you don't believe in that crap, do you? And I was like, actually, I do. Actually, I've had an experience with one. And he's like, no way. So I told him about it. And he's like, dude, he goes, if I didn't know you, like, I didn't know you, like, face-to-face. -face. I wouldn't believe you. He goes, but just knowing who you are, you have my attention. I'm very interested now. So instead of playing the game, we were just talking about some weird stuff. And most of it revolved around Bigfoot because that's where most of my interest lies. Uh, you know, we started talking about other cryptids and other strange things. And I, I brought up the like, of how I've always wanted to do something with it. I, I have passion for the unknown that I want to do something with. And I said, one of the ideas I was thinking about doing was doing a podcast. And he and he's like, what's stopping you? And I was like, honestly, I, I don't have uh, anybody that would do it with me. I, I've had a couple people come into my life and say that they wanted to do it with me. And it's all interesting to them until it's not, until it's time to put in some effort or some money into it. And Jake was just like, let's do it. And I said, man, if you if you want to do it, that's <laughs> fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some you know, yeah. beginning talk and see where it goes from there because, you know, I didn't want to put too much love and effort into it just to have it away from me again. Well, I mean, here we are. I mean, I think it was August 28th. We dropped our first episode and that was basically the the birth of Infinite Rabbit Hole. 
It's such a funny story because it's so similar to the way that the Hush Hush Society was started with all of us. On our premiere episode of The Cryptid Chronicles, we're going to touch on the Jersey Devil. We're going to speak about the origins of the legend, the brief history of the beast itself, and a couple of the sightings that people have actually reported about the Jersey Devil. Now, Jeremy, I know that you told me that you are pretty well versed in the uh, the lore of the Jersey Devil, correct? Yeah, well... The Jersey Devil was something that fascinated me for quite a while. And fun fact, the very first episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole was supposed to be Jersey Devil. But we ended up doing a thing where Jake and I just had a conversation. And I was like, you know what? Hold on. I hit record. And that ended up being our very first episode. The one where we were talking about the the Rukuru. Uh, yeah. So the Jersey Devil kind of took the the back seat and we never actually got to it so i have a ton of information on it i in fact actually grew up a jersey uh a devil's fan the hockey team and i i became more of a fan when i found out why it was called that but yeah dave was just talking about uh the jersey <laughs> devils that's funny yeah yeah my dad's favorite hockey team was the new jersey devils so. right on man i've been to the prudential center once i don't know if it's still called that i've actually never been to a to a devil's home game i actually went to a bruins home game against the devils i have seen the bruins Against the Devils as well. <laughs> you know what's so absolutely insane is that my first NHL game was a Jersey Devils versus Boston Bruins game in Jersey. Yo. Oh. So we're, see, we're all linked. It's crazy. <laughs> yep. All linked through the Jersey Devil and ice. So let's start off with the origins of the legend itself. The Jersey Devil is also known to locals as the Leeds Devil. In the 18th century, there lived a woman named Jane Leeds in the Pine Barrens region of New Jersey. Jane had 12 children with a 13th on the way, and when Jane found out she was pregnant with this 13th child, she cursed it out of frustration, claiming that the child was the devil. When the child was born, it seemed normal, but it began to change into a deformed monstrosity. Its feet turned into hooves, its head resembled a goat, and leathery wings sprouted from its back. Eventually, the child escaped, flying out of the chimney into the Pine region. The local clergymen believed that it was a demon, and they even tried to exorcise the demon out of the area to remove it, but they were unsuccessful. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild. They gave Jane Leeds this nickname of Mother, quote-unquote Mother. Mother so. Leeds. Yeah, she'll be referred to in the legend as Mother Leeds, but that's crazy. The first thing that I think about is 13 children. Damn. Yeah, sometimes women were just like baby factories back then. They just didn't stop. Maybe birth <laughs> control just wasn't <laughs> a thing. Know. I don't know. The thing, oh no, I don't think it was. <laughs> it was like a rag and you just shove it up there and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what are those things called? The shamwows. Absorb. <laughs> Absorb. <laughs> the thing that gets me the most is if your child at six months, seven months, just all of a sudden loses its toes and sprouts hooves. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a little weirder than having 13 kids in, what, the 1700s. You know, my grandfather is one of like 13, I think. My father <laughs> was... is one of 14. Holy shit. Jeez. Yeah, dude. Even split. Uh, seven boys, seven girls. And none of them have grown hooves? Um, You know, I haven't seen all their feet, but... They don't have leathery wings, so... <sighs> I don't know. Some of my aunts. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so there's so many different versions to this tale, and 
a lot of the locals of the area, which I just found out they <laughs> they gave them this interesting nickname, the the locals. They're they're known as pine rats. Imagine that you live in a town and you're just minding your business and all of a sudden people come up to you and you're like, Yeah, you're a pine rat, aren't you? Like, Get hey. out of here, you fucking pine rat. <laughs> <laughs> But the locals, they believe that Mother Leeds, that she was a witch or some sort of sorceress, and that the father of the baby was the devil himself. So that's that's kind of interesting. But she was married to a man named Daniel Leeds, and he lived in the area, but they publicly didn't have a connection at all. There was no connection from him to the child. They didn't really know if he was the father or not. Next episode on Morn. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> you are not the father. But it's interesting, despite having any evidence of her and him having this relationship and having a child, the local newspaper still continued to print the story, and they did it for, like, years. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta think about it, that them printing it numerous times over and over throughout, I, I don't know how long they printed it for, but... You've got years of these newspapers reporting this story of, of the Jersey Devil and its origins. I mean, it could have just been an attempt to sell more newspapers. That's possible. Well, when I looked into this a little further, there's actually kind of a weird background to how the story got going and some of the it's very odd but it turns out that the story of the Jersey Devil was actually made up by none other than Benjamin Franklin. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, he's serious. Yeah, very serious. Yeah, Jeremy, you, you heard about this also? Yeah, actually. I've I've got quite a quite a bit of information. What, as like a bogeyman sort of attempt? Um actually it was a dispute over the the competing almanacs. Alright, so there was a historian of Sinean University by the name of Brian Revel. He believes that the legend originated from gossip and folklore, born historical disputes and tensions, in particular the rivalry between the political rivals of Benjamin Franklin and a man called Daniel Leeds over the publishing of each each other's own almanacs. Benjamin framed the Leeds family as monsters and a particular name for Daniel himself as the Leeds Devil. Daniel Leeds was a Quaker and helped establish a Quaker town in the southern New Jersey Pine Barrens, which is now known as Leeds Point. After publishing his almanac, Daniel was chastised by his Quaker brethren for including astrological symbols and references in his publication because they were deemed too paganistic. His almanacs were censored and destroyed by the Quaker community. Although shunned by the Quakers, the Leeds almanac continued to be published, and the family began to write even more esoteric or esoteric Christian writings, including occultism, mysticism, cosmology, demonology, and angelology. Soon after, Daniel left the Quakers and began a fierce political battle with them. After his separation and falling out with the Quaker community, Daniel was endorsed by the British royal governor of New Jersey, Lord Cornbury. Now from there, it kind of goes into the next generation of the Leeds family. Franklin's still there, but now we're moving into Daniel's son. In 1716, Daniel's son Titan inherited his father's publications. During Titan's reign with the Leeds Almanac, by the way, that's the name of the Almanac, it's just Leeds Almanac, his and Benjamin Franklin's Almanac, which is referred to Poor Richard's Almanac, competed head to head. Poor Dick. <laughs> In 1733, the competition became so severe that Benjamin Franklin jokingly used astrological means to predict Titan's death. Titan reacted angrily, publishing a letter that claimed Benjamin Franklin to be a liar. 
Soon after that, Titan's letter was published, Benjamin Franklin claimed his prediction of Titan's deaths came true to help sell more of his almanacs. With the claim, Franklin stated that Titan was in fact a ghost now and publishing his work from the afterlife and working aside his father, the Leeds Devil. That's super interesting because Benjamin Franklin going and, I mean, essentially talking shit and saying, hey, this guy's almanac is, is devil talk because he was including stuff with astrological meanings and, and movements yep. of the moon and stuff like that. Like, that's real stuff that kind of goes hand in hand with almanacs and farmer's almanacs in general, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he was kind of putting him down for putting out a better almanac. <laughs> <laughs> he was booty yeah, hurt. Ben Franklin was being a little bit slimy. Yeah, Ben Franklin's a little a grimy dick. there. <laughs> That's pretty grimy. And to make up a story just so that you can sell more almanacs, was Benjamin Franklin really banking that much money off of farmer's almanacs? I don't know. I mean, it was something that, that they had political ties to and everything. I don't I don't know if it was much about the money or if it was about the political ties that Benjamin Franklin had in the city of Philadelphia. Essentially, he basically just made this whole thing up about this family because their almanac was better than his. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit more to this. But I mean, basically, you know, Benjamin Franklin came out and said that the entire Leeds family was they were all, you know, Satan worshipers and they were demons and and everything and and that Daniel Leeds was the leader of them all and he was known as the Leeds Devil. You know, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's it was really dumb, but you know, think think about the time. 1735 is when this story unofficially officially took place. I mean, you're talking about those grand old days back when you guys should be familiar with you know, Salem witch trials. Yeah, yeah, call somebody a witch. It makes more sense than there is another explanation that Mother Leeds is actually a woman not named Jane, but Deborah Leeds, and she was married to a Geffet Leeds, and they both lived in Leeds Point yeah. in 1730. I guess Geffet and, and Deborah as well named mm-hmm. 12 children in their will, but I guess it's just like another another group, but it's more believable that even in the 1730s, somebody was ass hurt and they made up something about somebody else, especially, like you said, amidst all this turmoil that's going yeah. on. I mean, the Salem the witch trial yeah. started in 1692, which was only 40-something years. And it's not a long time. And, and interesting enough, I, <laughs> I just read something the other day that the last person to be put to death over witchcraft actually happened in 1940. Mm. I believe it. What? Yeah, dude. Like as late as 1940 is in the U.S. I don't know if it was in the U.S. It was just like one of those uh, random headlines that you come across. But dude, I I could not believe that. Like 1940. Yeah, I feel like at that point we were more developed, you know, like morally <laughs> and scientifically developed. That's I mean, wild. Then again, were we? <laughs> Ah, another version of the tale tells of a young Leeds Point girl who had fallen in love with a British soldier. The British had come to the region because the iron furnaces at Batstow were supplying the privateers. In 1778, the British engaged the Americans at the Battle of Chestnut Neck. The townsfolk opposed the match, calling her a liaison, an act of treason. They cursed the girl. According to legend... When she later gave birth to a child, it became known as the Leeds Devil. Another sign to the story. That's what, 48 years after that this is supposed to take place? Yeah, like I mean, the, fir- the, so. yeah, the first was 1730s, so that's not only a big time difference, but that's a vastly different piece of lore. Yeah, but it also kind of makes sense because if there's a couple things that coincide, like even though Daniel Leeds isn't mentioned, 
wasn't he working with the British? So there's like a part, you know, if she fell in love with a British soldier, I mean, there's there's like parts of it that connect, but you can't connect all the dots. Mm-hmm. There's loose ends. There's a lot of different variations to the story and a lot of different ways that the story goes in the lore, but you can draw a lot of comparisons. It's almost like a really bad game of telephone. There's bits and pieces to every part of the story that kind of blend over each other. Yeah, like a mild consistency that trends throughout all of them. Another variation of the tale tells of another young woman who this time encounters a passing gypsy begging for food. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds to the point. Yeah. She was frightened and refused. Also sounds pretty accurate. The gypsy cursed her. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many homeless people I offer food to. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. Give me $5. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The gypsy was begging for food and this young woman was frightened. She refused and the gypsy cursed her for her refusal. You know, you didn't give me your food. So hex, Mm -hmm. hex, 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 Mm hex. And years later in 1850, so this must have happened a little bit earlier, she forgot about the curse, and when she gave birth to her first child, a young baby boy, he became a devil and fled into the woods. That sounds like a setup for Stephen King's Thinner. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever read Thinner, it's a, it's about a gypsy putting curses on people. But yeah, I mean, there's even another version, so it, it just keeps going. So that's why I keep saying that it, it's, it's kind of like a, a bad telephone game. But in October of 1830, a resident of Vienna, New Jersey, Mr. John Vliet, was entertaining his children with a mask he had made. And the mask had a monstrous face, and it became a tradition year after year. And then it was eventually adopted by the local people in the town, and its popularity grew and repeated late in October as parents and children alike put scary faces and costumes together. That sounds like fucking Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the story of Halloween. The origin story of Halloween featuring the Jersey Devil. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that one. Like, that's... Mm. Yeah. It doesn't Mm. even mention a devil. Masks. John parading around town scaring the crap out of his kids is probably not the most plausible Mm. Jersey Devil culprit no belief is subjective but eh. he sounds kind of like my dad though he would put on like <laughs> crazy masks when i was a little kid and i'd like walk into their bedroom and he'd be wearing like some like horrific mask <laughs> so now that we went through some of the origins and stories of how the jersey devil may have came to be we're gonna, we're gonna go a little deeper <laughs> in the jersey devil <laughs> see it, it just doesn't work the verbiage is going real deep you know I'm going real deep into Jersey. A little bit more. The Jersey Devil is said to inhabit southern Jersey in the Pine Barrens, and it's a heavily wooded area just off the coast. I would imagine it's pretty close to Atlantic City, right? That southern part. Who knows? Jersey smells like (laughs) shit. (laughs) Jersey. Maybe the Jersey Devil goes to Atlantic City. Over the years, the appearance has been described numerous ways, but the most consistent description of this creature is a flying bipedal creature with hooves and bat-like wings. The hooves and wings are the most consistent part, and it is said to either have the head of a goat or a horse with horns and has small clawed arms and a forked tail. Sounds like a bat and a horse. Like a (laughs) T-Rex dragon goat. (laughs) That's pretty accurate. I mean, yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's kind of messed up, but one of, one of the best descriptions oh. of the Jersey Devil that I that I came across was by a writer named Hunter Shea who wrote a book called The Jersey Devil, and he describes it as, quote, one that looked like a cross between a child with Down syndrome 
and a goat, unquote. I have personally read this book, and I can tell you that that is the stupidest thing that comes out of this book. The book's actually pretty good. That line, not so good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm reading a line about the devil's coarse mangled penis. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> I will say something. If anybody wants to pick up this book by Hunter Shea, uh, any book by Hunter Shea, there are some parts in this book and other books by him that if you're sensitive to certain subjects, such as un- unapproved or uh, non-consensual sex, you may not want to read it. Just putting that out there. Oh, jeez. That kind of sounds like this Mothman erotica. Oh, my, I've... <laughs> Yo, you and your Mothman erotica. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I have an idea just off the books. I am going to put a short erotic story about whatever cryptid we're doing at the end <laughs> right of the episode. On. <laughs> I feel like that deserves a stamp of approval. Is that something we have to talk about? Put it in the Patreon. Yeah. And he gazed into my into my eyes with his bright red eyes at the top <laughs> of the tower. Like <laughs> his down syndrome with his long wings licking my ear. <laughs> in seventeen twenty two, Titan Leeds began using the family crest on the cover of his almanacs which include the depiction of a wyvern. A wyvern is a bat-winged dragon-like creature that stands on two legs, two clawed feet, and a barbed tail. Could this have been where the origin of the Jersey Devil? That's an interesting I mean, if fact you take there. Jefferson's uh, petty arguments and the fact that he had access to seeing the Leeds family crest highlighting a wyvern on it, everything starts to look like it's starting to fit in place. Mm -hmm. The way that I look at it is if I saw a family crest that looked like that, I would come up with a story, especially if you're trying to kill your competition through rumor. So why not pick something that they can't dispute? Well, you know, you obviously had a devil child. Look at your family crest. It's, it's possible. Especially in those days. When everything was word of mouth. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself in the position of the 1700s. As a person, it's not, but as to thinking about how do these people think, you know, like how do they perceive something? It's completely different. So imagine if somebody came up to you and been like, yo, this guy, (laughs) you see his family crest, he's a freak (laughs) and everyone else in his family are freaks. And his almanac sucks. I mean, if it was Ben Franklin telling me, I'd probably take his word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Frankly. I mean, you're prominent. You're you're a political figure. So who are you going to take the word? Some guy who named a town after himself? Yeah. Or yeah, yes. some fucking rat boony <laughs> redneck fucking what hick. What did you say? Rat? <laughs> what did you say? The rat? Rat what? The, the pine rat? Pine rat. Pine rats. Yeah. Goddamn pine rats. No, you're going to listen to Ben Franklin. Yeah. This fucking kite in the air. <laughs> Naturally, as the name involving devil... It was seen as a bad omen. So everything from a bad harvest to livestock going missing and even cows who had stopped giving milk were all blamed on the Jersey Devil. That seems very 1700s it, Bessie, of you. Produce, produce. <laughs> and then you, you know, you have other sinister things going on, such as knocking down trees to squash people and boiling streams of water to boil swimmers alive. See, that's odd. Is there are there hot springs mm. in New Jersey? I don't believe so. <laughs> That's a local dump. <laughs> it's a fucking radioactive waste seeping into the public no, pool. Have you're, you ever driven taking, through New Jersey? Yeah, if you, I mean, if you're swimming in radioactive waste, you must come across Alex Mack floating by or something like that. Mm. 
Some people believed that the Jersey Devil only appeared every seven or thirteen years as a sign of war, disaster, or hardship that was yet to come. Sounds like another cryptid. Mm. Yeah, right. I was thinking the same thing. What's that? The Mothman. That's actually something oh, I was hoping to get into. Yeah. We can't, can't get into the Mothman. I mean, I can read you some short stories that I've been writing. Mike, no, if Mike, we do, it's going to turn into <laughs> Vatican erotica. <laughs> we talked about the description of this thing, right? Here goes a real question that I have for you guys. Do you think that we're talking about an actual cryptid, or are we talking about an urban legend? That was kind of the debate that I had seen earlier, is that cryptids supposedly leave some sort of evidence behind that they exist, you know, so like Bigfoot leaves big footprints around and people have actually quote unquote seen the Mothman and all these other things. So there, there has to be some sort of evidence behind it to call it a cryptid. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, with this one, with the Jersey Devil, there's been sightings, but in the early 1900s, early 1700s. So how much do we believe of that? What is the most recent sighting of this so-called creature i think there was one in 2015 and the guy claimed to have taken a picture i want to say it was the one at the golf course there's sightings that i've i've seen about as early or as late as 2015 so i guess that could put it into that but there's no like reputable sightings prevalent amount of sightings i would say i would have to lean towards urban legend yeah i would say more urban legend just for the fact that there's a lot of there's a lot of people involved to make the legend happen and having a name like Benjamin Franklin in there kind of makes it more believable that <laughs> this dude was literally like trolling this family yeah. you know <laughs> essentially it, yeah in in the mid 1700s and it was just like you know what i'm going to fuck him forever so here we go and and that's and, Ben Franklin with his yeah. troll face on and that's that's what he did there's just so much variation to the origin. If there was like one or two origin stories and they were similar, then I'd believe it a little bit more. But when there's like five or six or more origin stories and they all kind of are outlandish and they none of them make sense to each other other than one may coincide that they all have 12 kids, but that doesn't seem too out of the ordinary at the time so what's your take on it jeremy i personally think that we're dealing with an urban legend but i have some particular sightings and one particular week that i would like to talk to you guys about that may sway you absolutely so we've gone over everything about how this creature may have came to be and some of the location of where people say they see it so now we're going to actually get into what people say they see there's not a lot most recently as we said before, but in 1909, there were many sightings reported by different people that included people like Joseph Bonaparte, who is the brother of Napoleon Bonaparte and the former king of Spain. Different people have experienced different things, but photography wasn't common, obviously, in those days. So there's no images. There's nothing unless you have the chronovisor. There's an image that's depicted in a Philadelphia newspaper, I believe, also in 1909 that you can view. So to build on that Joseph Bonaparte, uh, sighting. There's claims that he has trail. He was trailing a creature by following tracks that looked like a two-footed donkey. Joseph stated that the hoof prints simply ended abruptly at one point and heard a loud scream behind him. Once he turned around, he spotted a large, upright walking creature with a horse's head, bird's legs, and large wings that hissed loudly at him. 
Wow. Terrifying. Uh, and this is Napoleon's. I mean, this is royalty. And so, yeah, and apparently this happened at on a neighboring property in his estate in New Jersey. I didn't know he even had an estate in New Jersey, but I guess he did. Another famous sighting, Commodore Stephen Decatur, an officer of the Navy, fired a cannonball directly at a large winged creature with no effect after visiting a cannonball manufacturing plant in Hanover. How do you just load I up read a about cannon that, one. that quick? Yeah, man. I mean, you got to be on the ready. Shoot from the hip. <laughs> shoot, for, shoot that cannon from your hip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, nasty, the creature's reign of terror kind of stretched throughout the, the late end of the 18, 1800s and the early side of the 1900s. In 1841, the creature was blamed for many livestock killings. After animals were discovered mutilated and strange two-legged hoof prints were found at the scenes. A couple pictures there of those, those sightings. In 1925, farmers shot an unidentified animal after attempting to steal his chickens. In 37, many people reported seeing a, a creature with red glowing eyes in the dark in various places around southern half of New Jersey and the far southeastern Pennsylvania. It's not too far off from the Mothman territory if you're talking about stuff going on in a. Uh, it's really Illinois not. Too, you know? And that's, that's something I really want to make a connection with. But I really wanted to bring up this one particular week that we had alluded to. Just a plethora of events happened between the, the days of January 16th and January 20th. 23rd in 1909. It was so bad that schools, factories, and mills across the Delaware Valley closed due to a fear of the creature. These events Jesus. and sightings are recorded in the newspaper from this time, so you can easily look them up. Events such as a trolley being attacked in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. A social club was attacked in Camden, New Jersey. Various cars were reportedly attacked throughout the Pine Barrens and the areas surrounding Philadelphia. Livestock slaughtered in Bridgeton and Millville. Firefighters claimed to have sprayed it with a hose after being attacked by the creature while putting out a fire in West Collingswood. Police in both Camden, New Jersey and Bristol, Pennsylvania fired on a creature with no effect at all. A plethora of snowy hooded hoof prints found in various locations. Sightings of a creature resembling the Jersey Devil range from southern New Jersey to Delaware and western Maryland. That brings us pretty close to West Virginia, I mean. Yeah. They went as far as to create multiple vigilante groups, too. Just like we said, the history and the origins, they're all kind of scattered about and very random. But when you start getting into the sightings and you start getting into these accounts of even police shooting at this thing, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it from a modern standpoint. But even in 1909, I doubt that police would just like draw their weapons and start shooting into the sky for no reason. Yeah, or firefighters spraying this f fucking fire hose mm. at... <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, it's just it's a little <laughs> odd. It's it kind of gives it a little bit of validity, somewhat more so than the multiple origin stories. I'd say you've got this massive boom of sightings over multiple states. You know, here's the thing, right? Obviously, since the newspaper picked it up, and you have these these people that are in positions of respectability within the community that are saying that they have had these experiences with these creatures, you have to think that something was there. Right. Mm. So is this simply a case of missing identity? And if so, you have technically two different categories of creatures this could be. It could be something that we know and it could be a cryptid. So if this was a creature that we know of and this was simply just a case of missing identity, what do you guys think this could be? Pterodactyl. <laughs> mm. Pterodactyl. Uh, well, I mean, now after, nice. if you're going from the origin stories and you asked earlier, you'd say, you'd lean toward, this is just an urban legend and this doesn't happen. But when you're talking about stories and sightings that happen in, you know, the 1900s and it's published in newspapers and like you said, you have credible people like police and firefighters that are seeing this, it kind of takes all the origin stuff out the window and makes it more of like, man, this sounds a lot more like Mothman sightings. 
other than the head I, of the I also creature. wonder how much of yeah. it was kind of retroactively attached to the Leeds Devil or to the Jersey Devil. You have these sightings in, in the early 1900s. How many of those sightings and stories were just... I had heard back in the 1800s that there was this Jersey Devil flying about. So how many of these stories were... Oh yeah, it must have been the Jersey Devil. When in actuality, it could have been another cryptid or another some sort of other creature. Well, isn't it a similar like psychological effect when you tell somebody about something and then they see something? Isn't it a similar effect? What did I call it? The GTA effect. You see one car in the game and then it's the same thing. You see the car you drive or you just bought a new car and then all of a sudden you see the same model everywhere and everybody's driving it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In 1927, a cab driver got a flat tire in the middle of the night in Salem City, New Jersey. Years before the electric streetlight, the street must have been extremely dark, and the woods of the Pine Barrens were surrounding him. So you've got this very eerie setting of this cab driver. He got out of the car to change the tire, but the terrifying creature emerged from the woods and tried to attack him, screeching and screaming. The driver got back in the car, but the Jersey Devil was pounding on the roof of the car as if it was trying to get itself inside. The taxi driver reported the incident to the police, claiming that he saw the Jersey Devil. Of course, nothing ever came of this report. It was a bum. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a ride! <laughs> Just a crackhead drifter running out of the woods. <laughs> hey! I gotta get to the south side. It was screeching at me. Hey! <laughs> Remember me? The, the Wharton State Forest is uh, is smack dab in the middle of the Pine Barrens. Not a state forest that I've ever been to, but it contains the Batstow's Village, which had been intact since the 1700s. So in 1980, the chief forest ranger named Alan McFarlane was called out to the South Jersey farm near the Wharton State Forest. The entire pack of the farmer's pigs had been brutally slaughtered in the middle of the night. The back of each pig's head had been eaten, as if something perched on their backs and ate their brains. Their backs were scratched, but whatever killed the pigs left the rest of the body alone and moved on to the next animal in the pack. So now it's a brain eater. Now, obviously, this type of attack is not really normal behavior for any of the local animals. And in all his years of experience, Chief McFarlane had never seen anything like it. The sight was horrifying, to say the least. The mystery has never been solved, and locals still believe that the only explanation to this case is the Jersey Devil. <sighs> Jersey Devil is a brain eater? Then you're getting into other cryptids that have accusations of that type of behavior. Like the choop. Like the choopy choopa. That's an odd little thing. Of all the accounts, this account is vastly different from the rest of them, where it's just kind of this flying creature or something that they saw in the woods. But this is viable evidence, physical evidence of some sort of creature eating the back of pig heads. Well, did the cab driver in 1927 have like physical proof of damage on this car if there's some bipedal creature that's stomping on your car let me in let me in you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have claw marks and dents yeah anything if it wasn't the jersey devil what was it that's what i'm trying to think because like if it was say like a vulture or something i mean i feel like animals that would eat other animals for the most part are, are like scavengers unless it's like a coyote or something they normally rip up the animal first before they start eating it you know and it would like be kill it it first. would be dead too if it was a vulture you know i don't think they're gonna it, exactly or dying 
And you, you got to tie in things that have some sort of claws or talons because there were the, the besides the, the brain being eaten out, you've got the scratches on the back. So I, I don't know. I think you could rule out like a coyote or something. Let's just all agree to disagree that it's probably Chris Christie before <laughs> he was... You know, uh, <laughs> this is where we get the breaking. Look at my red arms. <laughs> there are predators out there. In particular, I think it's lions that do it. Either lions or tigers. I forget. When they hunt something, they will go for the face first so that it doesn't cry out for help for the rest of its pack. So, like, if it's hunting a deer in the fields or something, the very first thing that it does is it eats its face so that it can't cry. Cats or felines and canines and even ursus. They go for the neck, right? Yeah, they go for the windpipe. And it does it does the same thing, too. And it basically burns them out. Bears, they don't go for anything. They Bears are the scariest creatures, I'll tell you. They, ju- they will literally... They just mollywop They will you. literally eat you alive. I mean, they don't care if you're alive. They will eat your guts while you're watching them do it. Yeah, yeah. The part about it that is very disturbing is that if there is some sort of predator that went after these pigs, why would they only eat the brain? Why would they leave the rest of the carcass? It's just kind of weird. I don't don't know that there's any, at least that I know of, any kind of animal that solely feeds on brains. So here's what I'm thinking, because predators will usually, when they start eating, they go for the soft tissue. They go for the stomach. And any creature out Mm. there, any kind of animal, especially the four-legged ones, the thing that they're going to protect is their soft side, which is going to be their bellies. Now, how do humans put down creatures? Like if we're putting down a cow or a pig uh, to be slaughtered, we take a hammer. Well, what's called a hammer, which is basically just a metal bolt that shoots out and retracts. Poke yeah, a hole pneumatic. in that. It's a pneumatic yeah. tool, right? They use it in uh, No Country for Old Men. That's how his uh, mm-hmm. preferred method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen that happen before growing up next to a, a farm where they had to put a couple cows down, and it's it's pretty pretty wild. I don't want to get too far into it, but cows have even been known to cry. Like They, they know what that, that machine does. What I'm thinking is that this is a human being doing it, and I, you said it was 1920? Uh, this was 1980. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can tell you exactly. I mean, you know, I'm just speculating here, but this sounds like uh, like he's putting his uh, pigs down for insurance. Um, it, it sounds like he, he took something, bashed their head in, mm-hmm. left them there to die, and said it was the Jersey Devil, and he got probably a massive payout. Never would think of that. Wow. That. Does insurance cover cryptid attacks? It, well, it it covers accidental death. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and the pigs were if it's if it's something oh, that's yeah. lucrative yeah. to him as like an asset, then he definitely would have it insured. That definitely sounds like the best explanation for for this scenario for sure. One more scenario that we mentioned earlier, and more recent in 2015, people in uh, Egg Harbor Township. That's a dope name. Man. <laughs> Along along Route 9 near a golf course, uh, we had mentioned David Black said he thought there was a llama standing inside of its fence along the roadway, which actually isn't that uncommon. There's llama farms and weird stuff dotted all over, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I'm sure, at least New England, I've seen it. And then it suddenly whipped out its gigantic wings and started to fly away. He apparently grabbed his cell phone and tried to capture a video of this creature. 
Uh, the video is very short and it shows what to appear be the Jersey Devil flying across the screen as a black silhouette against a colorful, beautiful southern New Jersey sunset. Uh, <laughs> there, there is still a photo of the it's same all smog. creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just like, just like in LA, it's so pretty. It's all smog. There's still a photo of the same creature that is also attributed to David Black's photo, and it kind of looks like a horned goat with wings that was thrown like a football. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Okay. So the picture, you you got to see the picture for that that to make sense. Now that picture, pretty much what it's saying is that. Oh, that are you talking? To, are you talking about that weird picture of the, the thing that it looks like it's throwing a football? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, there. it just looks like. Uh, oh, then I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at this video that you guys are talking about. Have you guys seen it? No, uh, Mike. I'm I just looking it up it right now. I saw screenshots oh, from it. It's complete bullshit, guys. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's bullshit. That, oh my god, that's horrible. It's, like, oh, it's too so good. Terrible. It's too good. It's like he put a goat in a slingshot and just shot it out. <laughs> looking up the video. Yo, it's terrible. Oh my god. Did he did he actually shoot a goat like out of a like a carbine cannon or something like that? Like did, did he? Or is it like a piñata? This yeah, dude's hanging this bad. thing from a tree. You have to be so dedicated to get a goat, put some fake paper mache wings on it, and just fire it like out of a trebuchet. Just dude, it, it looks. Oh my god! It, and you know you know what the funniest part about it is is that. If it was flying around, you'd think it would be directionally flying, but it's flying one direction and the body just stays the same, but it moves direct. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like a pinata with a drone motor on it and it's got some just cheap animatronic wings. And this guy's like, oh man, my career in Hollywood, I'm going to do the next Lord of the Rings. Watch. I'll get them. I'll get, yeah. I'm going to do the yeah. next Lord of the Rings. I want to know what he made the wings out. out of. The wings are the most convincing part. Uh, Umbrellas. CGI, hundred percent. Realistically, if you if you freeze it at a certain point, <laughs> it kind of looks like <laughs> it looks it looks like he put some sort of toddler in a in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. I mean, it's the thirteenth child, right? He's flying around, right? <laughs> it's his kid, Daddy. No. <laughs> Boom. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got like a, a smaller cannon. version of Evil Knievel's cannon, you know, or whatever. Whoever, who, who's the guy who shot himself out of a cannon? I don't know. <laughs> all in all, it looks terrible, and I don't believe a second of it, all three seconds of it. We're going to do something that we don't normally do. We're going to do a round table real quick. Jersey Devil. Real or fake? All right, we'll start with Jeremy, our guest. Jeremy, real or fake? I'm gonna say I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna bring here and I'm gonna say that that this is real, but you're not seeing the Jersey Devil. I seriously think that this is if it is legitimate, you're seeing the early adaptions of the Mothman. I really do believe that that could be what this what we're looking at. All right, so Jeremy's going with mistaken identity. Yes, Mothman. David? I'm going to have to step over the line onto his team with that, too, because after going through all of it 
and the region that it's in is not too far away from where the Mothman origin stories were. And then, you know, there's one account where it has red eyes and, you know, between the wings and the different descriptions of it. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, taking all the the history and lore out of it, this is definitely probably a real creature, similar or if not the same accounts regionally of what we call the Mothman. Frank. Mistaken identity, maybe. That very well could be the case, but to answer the question, I don't believe this is the the Jersey Devil. I think the Jersey Devil thing is fake. Just the inconsistencies in the origin and the fact that there's no solid pictures, I I just have to go on fake. I am actually on Frank's uh, side with this because with with other cryptids, there are there is some sort of sliver of evidence of being real or being some sort of creature. With the Leeds Devil or the Jersey Devil, there is just it's just stories, and just like we said earlier, it, it seems kind of like a just just a, a a folklore, you know, a story. It's a it's a tall tale and. Tall tales tend to get into people's minds and psych them out, and they could see a, a fruit bat flying around at night and go, oh, that's the Jersey Devil. So I'm going to go with, with fake on this one. Right on, two for two. <laughs> yeah, two for We're two. We're split. Hours. Split it up. We're split. So I would encourage any of our listeners, um, reach out to us. Let us know. What do, what do you think? Do you think that, there, that the Jersey Devil is a real cryptid? Is it a real creature? Is it some sort of animal that's living in Jersey and wearing tracksuits and hanging out at the local deli and taking trips to Atlantic City because they think that's a vacation? <laughs> <laughs> or is it all hogwash? Is it all bullshit? Let us know. Reach out to us. I've got one quick question. Mm -hmm. Who's to say that the Jersey Devil in itself is its own thing, similar to Mothman, just like we have multiple species of type of deer mm. or bear, mm -hmm. you know? Could it be something that's exactly, not exactly the same thing, but another creature that we don't know about that lurks in the night or completely different? All these things are interdimensional and they're popping in and out. Save that for another day. Listen, you want to get into interdimensional beings. <laughs> Go listen to that. Listen to the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast with Mike about interdimensional beings, and, and you'll get the whole, the whole gist one. of what I'm talking about. Or you'll be just as lost. Hell yeah. <laughs> or you'll be completely lost. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that I, I think that wraps up the Jersey Devil. Guys, it's been a blast. I really do appreciate you letting me come on and talk about this with you. Yeah. Anytime. We had so much fun. Yeah. It's been great having you, man. Jeremy, let everyone know where they can find your show, what, you know, uh, your social medias, anything that you want to you wanna plug. Absolutely. So if you're interested in something similar to what Hush Hush does over here, give us a chance. We, we pride ourselves on having three different views on some of these topics. And we talk a lot about cryptids, but we talk about some other things as well. Uh, Jake is a very uh, Christian guy, and he likes to look at everything with a Christian point of view. So he likes to look at things and say make this. Uh, Wes, on the other hand, is a very open-minded guy. He's a very science-driven guy. And myself, I kind of sit right in the middle of, of the two of them. So if you hear some of these things that, that the guys here on Hush Hush might talk about, but you want to see it come from three different points of view, come on over to Infinite Rabbit Hole. You, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole or our new Twitter account at twitter.com forward slash infinite RH. We're working on 
Instagram up. If you have any questions, feel free to re- reach out to us or if you want to become a, a guest on our show, you know, rabbit hole at gmail.com and one of us will get back to you. Thank you so much, Jeremy. We really appreciate uh, you being our first guest on the Hush Hush Society. Um, also, our first guest uh, on our first episode of the Cryptic Chronicles. Well, I really appreciate it. I really do really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on here. And once again, Mike, thanks for coming on to the show, man. It was a blast. Definitely. I, I had a, a lot of fun doing it. So anytime, anytime. Yeah, this was this was good. Maybe we can do it again. Thank you, Hushlings, for joining myself, Mike, and Frankie, and Jeremy from Infinite Rabbit Hole and our inaugural Cryptid Chronicles episode about the Jersey Devil. And we will see you next time on the Cryptid Chronicles. And then I guess plug the socials and we're good. Uh, make sure to check out our new episodes every Monday for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. You can also find us on all the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us on YouTube where we have all the audio from all these episodes, whether it be our regular debriefings or our Cryptid Chronicles and a new segment called Declassified Discussions with Declassified Dave as he interviews people about their paranormal and out-of-this-world experiences. So make sure to check that out. And thank you again for joining us for the Cryptid Chronicles. <laughs>